Well, welcome. If you're here for the first time, I'm going to invite you to, to engage in a bit of a, a, a spiritual practice. So many of our souls respond to music. It's one of the reasons we have a, a bit of music in our, our ceremony, because it's a call to our souls, that deep part of us, that eternal part of us. Some of our souls uh, respond to poetry, to the spoken word, and some of our souls respond to silence. And so, for many of us, our soul responds to all that and more. So I'm going to invite you to join me in a, a practice of activating the heart and then in that activation then we'll drop into 30 seconds of silence. I will then... Uh, sing a, a prayer with you called in this very room if you'd like to sing along please feel free the words will be on the screen over my shoulders and then I will offer an affirmative prayer which is one of the cornerstones of our, our tradition it's something that's unique to religious science the metaphysical community and so what I'd invite you to do in this moment is just imagine your heart taking a breath bringing your awareness down to that space in the, the cavity of our chest. Thinking of something that you're grateful for. Perhaps on a day like today, it's just simply being warm. But whatever it is it's, that creates an authentic experience of gratitude. And then that experience of gratitude, continuing to bring that energy to the heart. It could be a, a memory, it could be a, a person, it could be a situation could be something out in your future but whatever generates that feeling tone of gratitude and as we breathe in our hearts imagining that heart energy expanding and we connect with one another and so the energy that you are and the energy I am is now connected all that requires is a willingness and an intention an openness but also to kinesthetically connect with that so it's not just a thought it's also the feeling it's also behavior so in that, knowing that we are grounded in the divine connection with source, with one another, let us drop into the silence. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so speaking directly to that infinite divine intelligence that lives speaking from 
that presence that lives in me, that the gateway is the heart. I speak to that gateway of the heart of you and recognize the power and the presence, the love and the light, the joy, beauty, possibility, the loving intelligence that is finding its, its way in us and through us and as us because this is the perennial truth, the ancient wisdom that has been alive and dynamic since, since individuals have awoken to their true nature. So let us continue to wake up today in each moment, a new moment, a new possibility. So I just give thanks knowing that each one of us is resourced in every good way that we come together today to be reminded despite what's going on in our lives that we hold life. It's our opportunity to hold life as more than enough. I am more than enough. You are more than enough. I am worthy to receive at the deepest and most beautiful ways possible. And if something should bubble up in my awareness that is in competition or in opposition to that idea, I bless it and I look at it and I examine it and I realize that it's no longer part of who and what I am and how I operate and how I think and how I feel because I determine that because I know who I have come here to be. I'm supported in that absolutely and completely and I offer the fullness of my support to you as well. But remember this, you don't need my support because you are always loved, supported, and resourced by this eternal presence. And so in great gratitude to be able to stand in concert and sing that song along with divine wisdom and clarity, I give thanks. And knowing that this day is powerful and beautiful, that transformation is taking place here and now for us and through us and as us. And it is a joy and a delight to stand in that mystery, to stand and welcome the newness of possibility. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Thanks for coming out on this brisk day. Anybody here have to give their car a boost today or their truck? Anyway, it's good to know we can do that. We thrive however, whatever's going on out in the world. And this Barbara said to me earlier, you know, it's February. It means we only got a little bit left. I said, so true. So what a way to approach it. Yeah. Here comes March. So there's Dr. Ernest Holmes. I want to talk to you today about enchantment to oneness. Uh, I have a beautiful story about how we make significant changes in our lives. Because if we don't make significant changes in our lives, if we don't alter the trajectory of who we are and our state of being, guess what? We just keep repeating the same experiences over and over again. And uh, I don't know about you, but I prefer to have some new experiences once in a while. So it's exciting. It's, a, it's an exciting day. I hope you can stay for our presentation. At, at 1 is a light lunch. 1.30, we're going to uh, have a presentation that uh, I think will be a, a benefit, and we want to share this information. Part of the, the mission-centric model is for us to bring this information to you, and uh, we'll explain all that at the meeting. So please feel, join us if you can, and you know where else you're going to go. Who wants to see a Super Bowl when you can be here at the Center for Spiritual Living? Come on. Anyway. No, we'll be done before the Super Bowl. So, I want to talk to you today about enchantment, from enchantment to oneness. So it's time in our lives, and so this all relates to us personally, because we all live in an enchantment. We live in, live in a belief system. So enchantment, the definition, is to subject to magical influence, bewitched, fairy tales about witches who enchant handsome princes and beautiful maidens, to delight to a high degree her gaiety and wit have enchanted us all, or to impart a magical quality or effect too. So it's, it's an enchantment. We live in an enchantment. So the story of enchantment that we see on the planet right now, a few weeks back, I watched a documentary with, uh, with Laura. It was called uh, A 
or our Pothocene, I believe is it. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary. And what it shows is the places on the planet where we are just destroying the earth. There's a there's scene there where in Germany where they have this huge machine that just gouges massive amounts of soil out of the earth because they're mining gold, uh, the coal there. And they show them taking the, the villages apart that are in the way. So this is, this is, I don't know how many square miles, but it's huge. It's a huge pit to get the coal. And then they show down in Chile where there's a desert and they are manufacturing lithium batteries. So the, the cordless batteries that we all use or many of us use. And there's, a, there's these holding ponds of lime green liquid where they're, they're, and it's acres upon acres upon acres as far as the eye can see. And so part of the enchantment is, is that we continue to behave in ways that we know are not sustainable. Part of the enchantment is that we continue to just take everything we possibly can out of the earth and, and, and we've all sort of reached the silent agreement that this is how we will continue. I was reading an article, because I've been aware about this, some of the things that are happening environmentally, is that they, they say that if we continue with the amount of plastic we're using, that by 2050 there will be as much weight of plastic in the ocean as there is in the amount of weight of fish. And what we know right now is that because there's so much plastic in the ocean, it breaks down and then the fish eat it and then we eat the fish and guess what? We're eating plastic. So it's interesting because it's an enchantment. We seem to just perpetuate. And I'm not telling you this to depress you or scare you because what it requires, the, the same capacity to create this enchantment, this way of being, is also our opportunity. The same mechanism that we created all this with is the mechanism that we can change it with. So for example, I, I, I like to dr drink the, the bubbly water from... Um, uh, we get by the case at Costco and it's very inexpensive and it comes in the, the, the Perrier, whatever that name on it, the green bottle. But then at the end of the month or the end of the week or whatever, I got, I got a bunch of empty bottles sitting there. And so I bundle it up and I take it to the bottle shop over here and get my money back and all that stuff. And Laura said, why don't we make our own? So we went out and got a machine so now I don't have all those green bottles. So I realized, thank you, thank you. So how do we individually do these things? So. Um, you know, and so I have an awareness about that now because I don't want to be feeding my fish that I'm going to be eating one day more plastic. So, but this is the enchantment we're in. So what happens as well is it, the more, this idea of more and more and more will lead to fulfillment. And at the end of the day, we know it doesn't. Just having more stuff in our lives does not lead to greater joy. And they have studies of this. You buy a new car, you're excited for two weeks, and then it's your car. It's no longer a new car, it's just your car. And of course, it depreciates about 30% when you drive it off the lot. All of the things involved with that, but it's just the dynamic of this, this sense that if I have this and I have that, it'll bring me greater fulfillment. So, how can we be part of creating a new enchantment? And, and so, I believe that our tradition, I don't believe, I know our philosophy and our tradition is, is so appropriate for what wants to happen. So just because we've done things a certain way for so long, doesn't mean we have to keep doing them that way. And there's so much confusion and chaos and anger and marginalization and this group against this group and that group and blaming and shaming that going on in the world that eventually if we don't, we don't bring some awareness and some consciousness to this, we will destroy one another. And, and part of it is because the earth is a living entity. The earth has a consciousness that we're one with, we're partners with. And we forget that. Because in the Western mindset, it's about, 
it's about this, this fulfilling more of our, that, that longing within us. The Dalai Lama says that, you know, we look at the exterior for the fulfillment when we all have to go within, which is no different than what, what Dr. Ernest Holmes would say. So I want to share with you a story of transformation that I think is quite illuminating. It's not a spiritual story, and yet it is, because for me it's all spiritual. So I want to talk about British cycling for about 10, 15 minutes. British Cycling. In 2003, David Brailsford was hired as the new performance director for British Cycling. And the reason was because Great Britain had, has a 100-year history of mediocrity in, in cycling upon the world stage. Since 1908, one cycling gold medal. 110 years of no Brit had won the Tour de France. In fact, it was so bad that the top bike manufacturers in the world would not sell this group of people their product because they would be embarrassed to have this team using their equipment, okay? So David Brailsford came in, and what he started working with was the aggregation of marginal gains, is what he calls it. And so what he did is they searched for a tiny marginal improvement in everything that they could do around cycling. The whole principle is that if you broke down everything you could think of that goes into riding a bike and then improve it by 1%, you'll get a significant increase when you put them all together. So isn't this interesting? So it was small adjustments, like they redesigned the seat. They rubbed alcohol in the tires so it would grip better. They electrically heated their, their overshorts. They used biofeedback in various workouts to find out which athletes responded better and more effectively to those particular workouts. They, they tested their racing suits in wind tunnels. They found that the, the interior racing suits worked better outside. So they started wearing the, inside, the, 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 indoor, the outdoor outfits all the time because there was uh, an enhanced performance. Actually, the indoor suits. They wore the indoor suits all the time. More improvements. They tested massage gels for rapid recovery. They hired a surgeon to teach them how to wash their hands so they could prevent catching colds and getting sick. They tested the best pillows and mattresses for optimal rest. They painted the inside of the team truck white to detect, to detect dust particles because dust particles can inhibit performance, but they couldn't see them unless they had a, a, a bright background. These, along with other small improvements, accumulated, and the results came faster than anyone could have imagined. So would you like to know some of the results? Yes. Yeah, okay, good, me too. In five years, 2008, the Olympics, the, the, the British cycling team won 60% of the gold medals in road and track cycling. Five years later, with all these incremental changes they made. Four years later, Olympic Games were in London. The Brits set nine Olympic records and seven world records. Isn't that fascinating? Same year, Bradley Wiggins became the first Brit to win the Tour de France. And next, should say next, it says nest, but it, you, get, you know what I mean. They're only one letter off. Next year, his teammate, Chris Froome, won the race. And the British team won five Tour de France's in six years. Not pretty fascinating, 1%. 1% change. 1%, 1%, 1%. So, you know, we're, we're a spiritual community. And we teach evolution. We teach we teach that we're not stuck, that we can use spiritual practice to, to transform our lives. We're here to transform our lives. How do we do that? We do it through spiritual practice. We do it through sharing information to realize that, see, it, we think many times it's wholesale change. Let's change it all. And then, and then we gotta have these dramatic results. So the reason I share this with you this afternoon, whether you're with us or not, a year ago we launched into a, a, a new program called Mission Centric Ministry. 
And it's a new program. It's really never been done before. Parts of it have, but, but, but we're in full, and we'll talk about it at 1.30 with the presentation. I'm going to do a bit of a presentation to talk about a bit of it and where we are. And we've, we've hired a coach. We've hired someone as a mentor and, a, and a, a teacher and a guide because it's been his inspiration and his genius that we've, we've welcomed. And you know what it takes? You know what it's taken? Just like the Brits, five years of this? It requires patience and time. And so we've, we've launched into things here to help us prepare for the journey. Number one is the, the Q process. We've invited everybody that wants to be in ownership of this community to participate in the Q process because we need on our spiritual journey to be spiritually and emotionally mature. And if we continue to be triggered by those unhealed things, because the only reason we have a trigger is we get triggered by the unhealed stuff we have in our own, in our own state of being. But when we can bring an awareness to it and we can bring self-mastery to it and work with the tool and realize, oh, I get it. The reason that I'm, I'm so upset with so-and-so is because, because I, I haven't healed this within myself. And so it's not about dis- deflecting accusations. It's simply understanding it. It creates wisdom. Then we don't have to defend anything. We can say, well, tell me more. So we, we launched into the Q process, and we did it, and a lot of people stepped up, and have you done a Q sheet lately? Is it part of your practice? If it's not, then it's just one more thing. We got a Q sheet back there if you'd like to sign up and dive in again, because every time I go through it and every time I teach it, there's more transformation for me. And it's a 21-day process because we do the follow-up and we do the, the mentoring, the, the debriefs, so we get insight into how to manage this Betty Ferris. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a practice it's a 1% practice that can change everything for us. We've got spirit groups going. Spirit groups, we're now seeing people come to spirit groups that have never been to the center. They're, they're catching it online. And it's, it's remarkable to watch. So now people are connecting with our community because they realize, well, here's a group of people that are doing something that, that brings me to life and I want to be part of it. Because when we're together in a small group, we, hear, we, we learn to, to love one another and support one another because we hear one another's stories. So all of these pieces are very, very much part of it. The spirit groups, the Q process. We're having our meeting today. We have coached. We've put together a beautiful agenda based on the coaching and input we've gotten from Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons. Part of what we're moving to as a community is each and every person. If you're a member here, you're going to have done the Q process. It doesn't mean you can't come and participate. Everyone is welcome to be a member. But to be a stakeholder, you're going to have completed the Q process. You're going to be involved at least once a year in a spirit group because you qualify, because it means something to you. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. You're going to be in part of the, our intentional giving program, and we're going to say to you, what can you do? So we had a beautiful meeting this week. We're going to talk about it. Steve Sandy's going to talk about it. So at our meeting, and this was not supported by the board, but Dr. Gary said to me, what we do is we ask everyone to do what they can do financially. It's not about tithing, it's about what can you do. And so we had this great meeting on t- Tuesday or Wednesday, and what Dr. Gary said to me is, you, me, need to do what you can do. And so I have taken and agreed to a substantial pay cut because what I want you to know is I'm in with you and I'm here to do what I can do. And so I want to see this fulfilled. I want to see us turn the corner. I want to see us help transform lives. I've had many, many opportunities the last couple of years to go other places. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of empty pulpits. Believe me, in some of these places are huge with people. And I said, no, I want to learn this system here, and I want this system to thrive. 
And I want to be able to, to empower. I want to, I want to be in an empowered community where everybody takes ownership. Everybody understands the cue. When we start pointing a finger and getting upset with somebody else, we realize this is unhealed stuff in my life. And then we can have the conversations we need to have and find common ground. So we've done the cue to build some of that, that emotional and spiritual maturity, and we'll continue to do it. We've done the spirit groups, which are, are going. And so does it look like there's wholesale change? Are we getting these vast, amazing results? Not right now. We're not seeing any changes in our, in our financial aliveness. Not yet, but we're planting the seeds. You see, we've got to shift it in the field. And that's what Dr. Gary said to me. You can't fix it out here. You can't control it out here. You've got to shift it in the field. And I said, I'm with you, man. I'm on board. I get it. People have said to me, how are you, how are you and Laura going to do it? I said, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Adore, and, and I'm going to adjust my, my schedule accordingly. I'm still going to be devoted to the, my role here and do the best I can and, and increase my capacity to bring the best and, and do the 1% increments or whatever it may be so that I can still provide value. But I'm also going to have to take some of that time and devote it to some things in parallel to what we're doing. I understand that. So it's, it's, it's an opportunity in many ways. But, so we had this wonderful discussion with the board, and, and, and this is, we've been on-ramping this. So we didn't just, this just didn't drop into my awareness. Dr. Gary and I have been talking about this for six months. I knew it's coming, but I'm not going to talk about it and tell you until I do it. Because otherwise, I'm just talking about it. I ain't doing it. How many of us have done that? Oh, I'm going to go on a diet next week. Yeah. Next week's coming. You go, you know, next week I'm going on that diet. So you got next week to count on for that diet you're going on. So I mean, that's the problem. So what happens with these small incremental systems? See, these are systems we put in place. So with the Brits and their bike riding, our system here, we put systems in place so it's sustainable. It's not about a goal. It's about having systems in place that keep, keep us there. And the systems become part of our practice. So it's called mastery requires patience, the plateau of latent potentials. So would you know that when you plant bamboo, anybody here have bamboo? It doesn't grow well here, but in California, it's just a curse if you go in a backyard and you got rid of bamboo. It's, you got you to dig halfway to China to get rid of bamboo. Because what bamboo does for the first five years that you plant it, it is creating a root system. And on the sixth year, it grows 90 feet in the air in one year. But it doesn't look like anything's happening. And the same thing would be said around mission-centric. The more we're going to hit a sweet spot where we turn the corner. This is the goal. You shift the culture. You plant the seeds and you invite people in. And so today, we're going to talk about where we are and then we're going to have a follow-up meeting in, in uh, February, later in February, 24th, I think. And we're going to invite people to bring back their ideas because th you get all that information. But this is an invitation because now we're ready to have this conversation and say, hey, guys, we're in this together. This is your community. This is our community. What are we going to do together? Everybody does what they can do. And you aren't going to be able to look at me and point your finger and say, he's not doing what he can do. I'm doing what I can do. And I'm going to continue to do more of what I can do. So I'm just letting you know, this is part of this journey. But it's not a quick fix. And you've got to invite people to enroll in, their, in a different spiritual practice. So it's the plateau of latent potentials is what it's called. You know the cancer, 80% of cancer develops in our body before it can be detected. And then it takes the whole body over. There's 80% of it is just... Be, happening before we even know it. Not that that's a happy thing, but there's many things that are going on at a deep level. The last place that we teach always that a shift or change shows up in the world is in form. So, what is your word for the year? Remember that we did that last week? 
People got a tile and a word. It's not just a word. What they found with the neuroscience, so it's beautiful science that we have now. What they found with neuroscience is they've had a group of people come together and set an intention. They wanted this group to set an intention and they had these test um, um, petri dishes of DNA. And they said, we want you to set an intention to influence the petri dishes with DNA. And so they did that. And they had experienced people that experienced prayers. People like practitioners that know how to do affirmative prayer, know how to be clear. And you know what the results were when they set the intention? Didn't alter the DNA one bit. So then they had a group, they had another group, and they said, we want you to feel the shift and change in the Petri dishes. So they all got together and they dropped into their own subjective sense of, 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 of feeling something about a shift in the Petri dish. And guess what? No change. And then they said to him, listen, we want you to hold an intention, drop into your heart, and know in that divine intelligence and know it in the heart intelligence. And the results of combining the intention, a clear intention with an amplified emotional state, 25% of the Petri was altered. So it's not one thing. It's not just, I'm gonna say the words and it's a magic spell, and I'm, not, I'm gonna feel a certain way and something's gonna happen. It requires both. Now, I'm not making this up. This is research and studies that people have done. It requires all of us. It requires all, so you got to be in, in other words. And if you're not in, it's okay. The infinite says, I love you anyway. You're just not ready for this. So it's quite interesting. So this is a great symbol. This is the yin and the yang. What we see when the world is being decimated is yang energy. It's that masculine energy more and more and more. Let's, let's harvest this. Let's pump this. Let's get this going. See, and I'm not, say, I'm not an expert on this. I'm just watching the enchantment of this. If I get more, if I get this new thing and I get that relationship going, I will be fulfilled. And then we get the new thing and we get the relationship. And six months later, it's like, oh, my God. I talked to somebody the other day. Last time I saw them three months ago, they were in a new relationship. I saw him yesterday, he said, how's so-and-so? I said, oh, I don't even want to talk about that. I mean, that's not uncommon. So the point is, there's a great story in, in Scripture, and it's been changed, and it's been marginalized. So the yang energy is the male energy. The yin is receptive. It's the, the willingness to receive. See, this is part of it, too. So do you remember the story of Mary at the tomb? Mary Magdalene and, and Mary go to the tomb of Jesus. And they go into the tomb, and the body's gone. The, the, the stone is rolled aside and there's no body. And Mary Magdalene starts to weep. And all of a sudden, this voice says to a woman, why dost thou weep? And tears are covering her eyes. She can't see real clearly. And she looks up and it's Jesus. And she said, she doesn't say master, she says Raboni. Raboni is the Hebrew word for Teacher. And, and then he says to her, because she grabs on him, says, you cannot cling to me anymore. In other words, our relationship is changing. But the metaphor, and what the church did with this, is they, they, they changed this story in many ways. But this, if you go back to the ancient text, this was the story about who sees the risen Christ first. It's the feminine nature. It's the patience. It's not some guy, I'm sure it drove the guys, the powers would be crazy that some woman would get in the middle of their story because what they did is they took the experience and they made it about creating an institution. 
I took that, that, that mystical experience. Jesus taught more by transmission, I believe, than, than the words. It was the t- transmission upon the words. It was the consciousness upon the words. He had disciples, and he taught. And so when they got together and they organized it, they lost all that because no one could really understand embodying the Christ consciousness. They wanted to build, a, they wanted to build an empire, and so they built an empire. And so Dr. Ernest Holmes loved the story of Jesus. And, and so part of what I know for this is that the, the opportunity that I see before me is a teacher has to find his, his students. See, we always say when well, the t- student's ready, the teacher will come. It's a teacher's responsibility to find his students. See, you guys know you're asleep. Because sometimes you wake up. And it's okay. This is not a criticism. Because I watch. Sometimes you know you're awake. You know who you are. And then other times you're like, where'd you go? You know, because you don't seem to be present here anymore. Well, let me tell you what happened. Oh, my God, I was present for a while, and then life happened. You guys know. The majority of people in the world don't know they're asleep. They don't, they're in the enchantment. And it's, it's far too important that we not get out in the world and share this. And my journey with you, and my continued journey with you, and I love you all. This is my spiritual home. It's my ministry. I want to I wanna influence more lives. I want to go to the people that have never woken up and say, you know, there's another way to do this. Might I suggest something? Because you guys know. You know, and it's not saying that, you know, I'm, 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 I'm out the door. I'm just saying that in this transition of what's going on and saying to you, I'm all in. Because nine out of 10 of our, our communities, we're gonna show a video today. It's a very short, beautiful thing by Dr. Gary Simmons, which is appropriate for what we're doing. Nine out of 10 new thought communities are failing. And part of it is because we've, we've lost this sense of, of, of teaching in a way that is empowering. It's a teaching, we're a teaching and we're a way of life and we're a philosophy. And part of the problem is, too, is that when you haven't prepared yourself to, to teach, it's, you're just announcing and pretending. But that's, that's another talk for another day. But what I would say for all of us and for our community is that it's time for a new story here. It's time for a beautiful new story. And we get to write it together. We can continue to blame one another. We can continue to have, be so entrenched in how it has to be. There's a, there's a syndrome right now, and it's popular because of, there's a particular fellow that models this so well, that there's a people on the planet, and it's a, it's a fairly large group, it's not just a few thousand people, that, d- that lack the capacity to, to be able to say, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I made a mistake. See, nothing wrong with that. See, we think that if we say, I might be wrong, it means I'm wrong. No, it just means you reach the conclusion that's incorrect, and then you get a chance to renegotiate with yourself and come to a new conclusion. There's nothing wrong with any of us. There's nothing broken in there. But we're so tripwired to our egoic nature, our intellect, our personality, this enchantment of the personality that defines us, that's not what should be defining us. So it's a beautiful opportunity. It's a beautiful philosophy. It's a beautiful way of life. But the only way it can have impact is if we embody it and live it. And so I just want to share with you, our one percents, we've planted the queue. We've invited people to play with us. Make this a practice in your life. If you don't have a shadow integration practice in your life, you need one. You can't take the trip without it. I'm telling you. And it has to become a practice. 
If you're not connecting with people in a way and collaborating and sharing your insight and your wisdom and your unconditional love with spirit groups and through the power of eight that we've introduced, becoming the prayer, you're missing out. Because Dr. Holmes had this to say. I'll, I'll get to it in a moment. I got a great Dr. Holmes quote. So it's time for a new story, a new enchantment of interdependence, of collaboration, of healing, forgiveness, and love, of oneness, generous, transformational, empowered, unstoppable, spiritually and emotionally mature, and to live from the inside out. Our cue card qualities are on there. We do that because that is what we've decided as a group why we exist, why we're here. Are we there, generous? We're at a level of generosity that, that we're at right now. Not good, bad, right, or wrong. It's just where we are. Are you doing everything you can to help transform the consciousness on the planet? You know, we're going to find out with this new model. It might now, it might now work. And then I'll say, hey, we made a mistake. Well, I'm not going to tell you I'm a mistake because I'm giving it everything I got. And the joy and the wonder in it is giving yourself to something greater than you are and saying, I think this is possible. I think it's possible to live life as more than enough transformational. Am I being transformed? What can I do at a 1% level this year to transform, to up my game? It doesn't have to be significant. You know, if you go on it, you ever have a diet and get to the weight, get to your ideal weight? Anybody ever done that? What, th- what happens then for most people? They probably, they gain it back and put a few more pounds on because they didn't create a system. They got to the goal and didn't create a system. We're creating an incremental system of healthy mature, spiritually mature, healthy individuals walking upon this planet. Because what it does when we're there, it frees more energy to do the, be about the business of why we showed up here. We can stay angry and upset and frustrated and point fingers at one another until the cows come home. But we're missing an opportunity. And that's a choice. We've only got so much bandwidth. So Dr. Holmes said this. I love this quote. Life is an eternal givingness, the offering of the cosmic self to the joy of its own fulfillment. You and I are part of this joy, and we find fulfillment only as this joy passes through us to others. Everything moves in circles, and we short-circuit our own good when we refuse to pass it on. See, we're here to be it and share it. Be it and share it. If you're frustrated, you're being frustrated, and you're sharing it, you're not helping you're not helping because the research I looked at on this 1% said if you're going in the opposite direction with your attitude and your way of being and your behavior, eventually you crash. Eventually your body breaks down, your, your mentality breaks because you're not lining up with this infinite divine presence that says joy, baby, love, baby, empowered and unstoppable, creativity, innovation. Those are our possibilities, but if we don't nurture it, if we don't show up and say, hey, I'm here to create something beautiful, I'm going to improve 1% this day. That 1% was working on me all through this talk. How could I throw stuff out? No, 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 1%. Stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. It's fascinating. So it doesn't have to be wholesale changes. So Laura and I did the, the uh, igniting the, fi- uh, the fire of your noble self. We're going to repeat it at the end of March. If you're interested in getting practice, the reason we're doing this is we need practices in our lives. It has to become a way of being. There are meditation practices that we shared. There's information we shared about brainwave patterns. There's information that we've shared about the, the subpersonalities that we have and techniques of how we manage them and, and, and live with them better. Because I want you to have that stuff in your life. I want you to have that. We want, we want to give this to you. We have spent thousands of our dollars of our own money over the last four years studying with Dr. Joe Dispenza. And it's such powerful stuff to have these simple 1% practices in our lives. 
What if you meditated 1% more? What if you started meditating for five minutes a day? And then next month you go to six minutes. Who knows? See, the reason for meditation, I'll, I'll end with this. The reason for meditation, the Buddhist term for meditation, you know what it means, anybody? Wrong. It means to become familiar with something. To become familiar with something. The reason that many people say to me, I can't meditate because my mind is such a mess. That's why we meditate. So you can become familiar with the mess. Because you have to look at it and I have to look at Oh, God, you should see it. I can't sit down and be still. Boy, you need to sit down and meditate and become familiar with it. Because you bring awareness to it and all of a sudden you separate from that. You are not your emotions. Spiritually and emotionally mature, you're not your emotions. And you can go off the tracks. I was in meditation this morning. I got up at 3.30 in the morning. Wide awake. Ready for sound. I don't have a clock in my bedroom anymore because that light kept me awake. And I got rid of it. So I get up. I get my bathrobe on. I go downstairs. And I go, oh, it must be 6 o'clock. It's 3.30. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so much for that internal time clock. So I sat down and meditated. I'm in the meditation. All of a sudden, I'm murdering, murdering somebody in my meditation. I thought, holy cow. Where did that come from? And then I got to have a talk with myself. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not setting that karma up. That's how we set karma up. We hurt somebody. The universe demands balance. You wonder why people are having life's experiences they're having? You've got to remember, we're eternal beings. And something that looks tragic to us could be very much in alignment. There are no accidents. Dr. Holmes said that. Dr. David Hawkins talks about it a lot. There's a karmic balance that is required. And when we see something that unfolds in life, and in the moment looks tragic, it could very well, and I, I'm certain it ties in with karma. Doesn't mean I don't have compassion and sorrow and sadness, whatever's appropriate. But we are invincible. We cannot die. Keep that in mind. So how do we hold it with love and grace and beauty and see it for what it is from the perspective of wisdom? So what will be your 1% in 2019? If you do a 1% improvement every day for a year, it's not a 365% improvement. It's however they do the math. It's a 37% improvement. What if you had a 37% improvement in areas of your life? So if you're interested in getting more practices, I really encourage you to join us in March. It's a wonderful workshop. And I want to take it to other centers. I want to take it and I want to lecture and I want to take this to other centers in this, and to on-ramp some of this because people are out there struggling. There are, community, there are religious science communities that cannot afford a minister. And so they don't have a minister. And that's part of our tribe. So I just, I thank you for your, your love, your commitment, your willingness to be who you are. But, but think about that. It doesn't have to be wholesale changes. We're planting seeds. And those seeds haven't broken the, the surface yet. But it doesn't mean something's not happening. So it's fun. It's exciting. It's our opportunity. I mean, life, we're here to, to delight in life. And when we delight in it, source, love delights in it. So you are a delight. So it is. Blessings.